back it's made an a to z again it's me jonathan and me eric yeah and me henrik yes our first guest mm? first guest henrik i know him as a drummer in libra first and foremost would you uh, what would you say what would you how would you introduce yourself these days uh that's a good i am a drummer first and foremost uh the band that's most relevant would be dead cosmonaut it's a heavy metal band of a classic kind and then I play a bit of drums in a more experimental bass band as well. And I've been a huge Maiden fan since 1985, something like that. That's a long time, because I, I recently time. discovered yeah. that you were not only like a drummer, because I knew you as this possibly Tool fan. I had the idea of you being a Tool fan. Yeah, I do like more modern music as well. But yeah, because yeah. I love that band too. So I remember mm. like, okay, he's drumming. He must have been listening to Danny Carey a little bit. But obviously yeah. you've been listening to Nico McBrain or Clive Burr for a longer time then. Yeah, definitely for a longer time. Uh, and I'm sure they have influenced me in one way or another. Yeah. And I, I realized that you're on a good level of maiden nerdum as well. <laughs> I recently discovered uh, in forums on Facebook. Yeah, it uh, sort of comes with the territory, really, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think so. It's a yeah. band that is very fun to obsess over, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, I would say I've always said that if there's something I need to know or something I don't know about Maiden, if I ask Henrik, uh, chances are, if it's possible to know it, he does know it. So it's, yeah. so, or I make yeah. something up. Yeah, well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can make something up. You can draw conclusions because yeah. yeah. you have so much mm. info and, and intel, right? So you can think, what would Nico do in this particular yeah situation or something like that now, now i've known you for uh, quite a while now uh, since like 2008 i think mm. but i i realize i don't know this uh, which uh, what drummer wh who made you what made you want to play drums i think it must have been nico mcgrain actually because all right i started drumming about a couple of years into listening to maiden and it was only maiden so it must have been nico i guess cool yeah right, I, think, cool. I mean we're still on our normal intentionary but i think we can afford a little bit of Maiden drum talk, maybe. What do you say? Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit, right? Because <laughs> it depends. It's an important. If I like, have anything uh, to add. Yeah, I mean the the, mm. the 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 million dollar question, I guess, is like, um, uh, who do you prefer, Clive or or Nico? Because it's quite a watershed in in that camp. They're very different as well. Might yeah. be. They are very different indeed, and I think they both have their. I mean, they both have their merit, obviously. But it's Nico is sort of like the classic maiden drummer in a way, since he's been with the band for all these years and the Clive stuff is a lot he has a totally different sensibility but it's still I think the Clive stuff is always better when Clive's playing mm. Mm. yeah what I would say there is that Clive's playing style is so different it's like a soldier you know mm. Nico is more like a painter or something you can feel that uh, his, his kind of strokes with the sticks are very you know kind of ergonomic in a sense or something mm. like that not really like he's saving energy or so but you know he's not he's not really 
mashing that hard. I feel he's more like uh, floating, like he's a floating a bit, drummer. Yeah, a bit and, more and Clive fluid, feels perhaps, very yeah. like Clive feels almost like midi tight, but mm. in a cool way. He still yeah. grooves. What would yeah. you say on the, on that regard? Like the I, difference of of pace or timing? Yeah, I think that's one of the things. The timing is that Clive is a lot more metric in his sense. I mean, I wouldn't say midi midi tight because that implies some kind of rigidness or I mean a true, sort of true. like unswingy stuff but it's it's a bit different swing. I mean technically it's a lot more difficult to play Clive stuff I think than it is to play Nico stuff mm. yeah mm. I mean I I've been I've been a Nico fan a big Nico fan but then when I listen to Clive and uh, you know I've, I think the same way I guess that these songs are really meant for him uh, I guess the prime example being Phantom of the Opera yeah where he's his style of playing the verses is very very close to the feeling of like uh, black metal Mm. The, the way he hits the ride cymbal is just very relentless and yeah. it makes the song more evil than it is with Nico and it's still great with Nico I think yeah. as well like Life After Death version is cool but the one I think it's from 1980 Mark You Club or something like that mm. it's a very early one that is, is appears on a, on a few B-sides yeah, it's, it's a it's, very very hard version I like it a lot yeah yeah, it's a, it's a really good one it's so energetic yeah yeah, yeah. I have to mention his snare feel also like the <laughs> straight up that it's very non-Nico, is it? Isn't it? Like it reminds me more of Lars Ulrich, or you know, it's more of a caveman approach to Phil's, and I really dig it. Yeah, but he has he also has very you know distinctive military drumming snares as well in as in different songs like Murders in the Room Morgue and stuff where he goes with stuff, which Nico never really does. I mean he. He keeps it a lot more fluid. Yeah, that one mm. reminds me a lot of Cozy Powell. I think he may have listened to that guy from from Rainbow. Yeah, possibly. Among, among other acts, because he also does those marching type mm. snare rolls. So that's cool. Made and drumming. Mm. Yeah. Not the episode theme, however. We have nope. songs. As usual. <laughs> we have a couple songs to get through. Three? Are we going to do three? Or are we going to do? Uh, we can do three. I guess. We're doing three. three I think. Yeah. Yeah. Three mm. songs. First, first up, if I recall correctly, is Angel and the Gambler. Yeah. yeah. N, N goes before L. M N O L. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Angel and the Gambler. Fun place to start, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's um. So I listened to it on the on, just before we started recording because I hadn't heard it in a while, and it dawned on me that there's about six and a half minutes that that is not necessary in the song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's almost a performance art structure you know like can they do this do they dare to do this it's, it's, it's not it's nothing very it's it's like like there's like it seems like there's like three minutes of just build up of the very you know, the slow bit before it gets back to the before the guitar solo starts yeah. you don't none of that is necessary no yeah <laughs> i totally agree yeah i mean uh he's steve harris if you want to start at, i guess at the origin of the song said that it, it was meant to be this kind of the who type sound yeah and uh, uh, i'm a fan of the who and i think it not really conveying that to my ears, <laughs> from what I can hear. I hear more like an after-ski type sound or a jam, <laughs> you know, rock jam, really. Like you're, you're have, you have this like uh, typical chord uh, phrasing mm. and then you just jam on it. And I guess it would be fun to play it. And that's maybe why he stretched it for so long. Uh, I'm not sure. And then you have, all, you have that tagline coming in, God knows how many times. Yeah. Don't you, don't you think I'm your savior and so forth? Uh- I believe that when they recorded Virtual Eleven, it was a 
a case of, I don't know why, but they were sort of like pressed for time and they were actually recording backing tracks blind. They didn't know what the vocals were going to be. So they, oh, hadn't, okay. they hadn't rehearsed all, all the material. And uh, which, uh, because I believe Blaze has mentioned this in interviews that, I mean, if they actually would have uh, recorded or, or rehearsed Angel and the Gambler, they wouldn't have stretched it for so long. They would have no. kept it a bit more punchy and then kept the... I mean, I mean, the longer bit is a sort of like a sing-along or whatever it is. I can't remember yeah. it ever was a sing-along live, but I don't know. We uh, he could, uh, we mention these guys almost every time, and I guess it's uh, what we also should do, because it's kind of an origin for what we're doing, even though they do it in Swedish, Maiden Podden. Mm -hmm. And they had an interview with Blaze, and he said, maybe because he knew that it was a Scandinavian pod, he dared to be go a little bit outside of the company lines. And he mm. said that <laughs> with Angel and the Gambler, that they... When they played it live, he first he said, I'll probably get sued for this. And then he said that the whole band kind of ganged up on Steve and said, like, we don't know where we are in this song. You know, mm. <laughs> they were playing it and they didn't know where they were. No. And as you, you guys know from playing live, that's not a comfortable feeling no, when you're, when you're playing an actual song. <laughs> and, and, uh, and they actually changed it already on the tour, mid-tour, which I think is very rare for Maiden to do. Uh, Steve was not happy to do it, but he... He realized, I guess, that there's a point where even his stubbornness can be, can be persuaded otherwise, right? They changed it as in they edited it or that they... Because no, like, they actually I don't, changed, I don't the form of the, they changed the form of the actual yeah. song, mm. according to Blaze. Yeah. I haven't mm. listened a ton to those bootlegs, so I don't know no. for myself. But according to Blaze, they actually did, which I think is rare for Maiden to do. It definitely is. I just looked, and Bla when Blaze, when he does this song live, he still does it... Uh, his version is like 11 minutes so he still does a long version of it he does so yeah he hasn't changed it i guess very much so i guess he does i guess he does the album version at this point yeah. but i mean live live it's fair also to do a jam and to do a build up and get mm. the crowd going and i think harris has been doing this a little bit too much lately on albums that he puts these live things on there like in red and the black which we'll get to he wouldn't have needed to put that on vocals i think because mm. everyone would have sang it anyway. So I think mm. maybe sometimes he's being too too much of a visionary of how it's going to be live and already doing that on the albums in, in, in later years. Yeah, possibly. I don't know. Heaven Can Wait is an early example, but that one is great. So mm. now, now, Henrik, you, you've, seen, you've, uh, you've heard this song live with, with them back when they, yeah. you saw them at this tour. Is mm. it was it better live than on, that is on the album? I think it's fair to say that everything was better live <laughs> than it was on cool. the albums but it, it's a it's a matter of you know just the pure energy of being there at the gig even yeah. if they have a rather mediocre gig it's still gonna have the energy that makes it feel a lot better right and yeah i'm not i'm not to, to slag the production or anything on the album but i think it conveys the energy that's there a lot better in yeah. the live setting, yeah. All right, yeah. No, I'm actually a bit of a Virtual Eleven fan. I dig parts of it, but I think mm. the production is not that good, especially mm. the guitars. I have a I have an issue with. I think it's early digital technology yeah. at work because they sound super thin. I believe it's actually recorded in digital. I think. Yeah. I'm not quite sure. They're very thin sound, and I mean, you can mm. still enjoy the guitars because it's Dave Murray and Yannick Gerson. They know mm. how to play, right? So yeah. it's it's not that big a problem, but it was also the first uh, Maiden album for me. Actually, not the first I heard, but the newest when I became a fan. Because yeah. I became a fan in 98, 99, around mm. that time. So we did listen to it back then. 
and remember like, oh, yeah, there's this weird song, Angel and the Gambler. And I didn't hate it. I actually didn't hate it. I thought it was okay, but I wondered like, what what were they trying to do here? Mm. You know, I still somewhat wonder that with the, with the keyboard, for example. The, yeah, I was going to say that. The keyboard yeah, is that's... really odd. <laughs> Ill-advised. Yeah, yeah I was about to say the same word, actually. Yeah. <laughs> ill-advised. Yeah. The keyboard is ill-advised. Yeah. yeah. The, the first version I heard of the song was when I saw the music video, which is also, is, it's not particularly a great video in, by any stretch of the imagination, but yeah. uh, that version of the song, they, they cut out the whole soft bit in the middle, so it's just, it goes from the second chorus right into the solo. And it wasn't until I later heard the the album version that I discovered that, that, that there was an additional like five minutes to the song. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked it more the first time I heard it because it was a lot shorter. And, you know, it sort of got straight to the point and it wasn't, you know, there was that, that huge drawn out uh, thing. Mm. Uh, sure. That, that's back when MTV used to do radio edits. So they would, you know, or video edits so that the entire song wouldn't be there mm-hmm. if it was over a certain amount of time. Yes. Yeah, and I think also they they had they spent a lot of money on that because it was as they said state of the art graphic, uh, you know, uh, what's the word graphic animation or yeah, yeah. 3D animation C- so CGI think, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, I think they couldn't have afforded to to uh, to actually pull to, through the whole video even from the start. So I think it was already edited by Maiden in this sense. Yeah, and it's it's a terrible video. Yeah, they did introduce an even shorter version, which was the one that they did with playback on television and stuff like that. Or singback, mm. rather. Yeah. Because they did they... it in Söndagsöppet, right? Yeah, they did. Oh, yeah. wow. Pernilla Wahlgren introducing them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For any non-Swedish listener, you can kind of guess what it is. It's like the Sunday, uh, Sunday soft TV, like yeah. soft talk show. Family TV show. Family talk yeah. show, yeah. And they had, I, I remember they had England Gambler. Once also Bruce was there. And uh, that host at the time was ridiculing him for his clothing, like in the old videos. Mm. While wearing himself like a mustard suit. <laughs> 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 With yeah. very bright, w- wide shoulders, you know, 90s style. Mm. When, when, was, when was Bruce on it? Was that with, I mean, when was, this obviously was with Maiden, I'd assume. Yeah, right this? at the reunion, right at the reunion. He oh, didn't okay. perform, he was yeah. just there talking. I mm. think he, he doesn't really do many talk shows like that. And they also had Metallica in a few times. Hetfield mm. played solo there, which he doesn't often do, like he played Mama Said. Oh, That's wow. a s- side note. Mm. Um, yeah, England the Gambler. What else could you say? I think like we, we kind of circled it now. We have this video with uh, Eddie and, and the boys playing cards mm. and drinking in a spaceship. <laughs> we have we have the ill-advised keyboard. Yeah. Uh, we have the don't you think I'm a shaver? Don't you think I could mm. shave your wife? And there's uh, the there's the uh, there's a there's a, hor- a horrible bit on the video where Yannick does a kick towards the camera and they do a fake thing where like a lens breaks. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. About that, yeah. We should use that as a cover for this episode. Yeah, and then, you know, it's, it, I'm sure that was really cool, like for five minutes back when it was released. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even these days, the, these video effects, when you see them, like uh, on, I guess, slightly older videos, you see that. Oh, okay, yeah, that one has been used to death by now. I think, like, uh, mm. an approach for making videos might be to not use too much contemporary effects. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, we'll get into more made-in videos as we go. I kind of mm. think that there's videos, I mean, there's a lot of videos they've made that are not, you know, great. But, like, if you take the older stuff, that stuff has aged better than this has. Because it, this is so dated to right when they started doing, you know, computer animation in that sort of sense. Because, you know, it, it all looks very like Windows 95. Yeah. 
It does, it does. Mm. And there's also an artwork, right, for this particular song. Um, so well, the, the when, it, when, is, when uh, there is when there is an artwork, we usually discuss it. And I think yeah. because there is a special one for the Angel and the Gambler, right, with this Ed Hunter looking, Eddie head, a couple of dices. Yes. Yeah. I'm trying think, to find it. Yeah, I think there are different versions. There's a version of Eddie on the on beach in New Orleans with a uh, with a steamship behind and uh, stuff like that as well. Oh yeah, I see that one now for the first time. Actually, it's mm. it's not beautiful, not really. No, <laughs> <laughs> looks like a made in Christmas album somehow. That one. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and the original one is is quite hideous as well. I would say. Like, uh, what's your what's your, what's your comments on these artworks? I think it's sort of. They were becoming their own cliche in a way with those covers. I'm not sure how else to put it. Yeah, that's a fair way to put it. Mm. And like a, almost a parody, I guess, of what they are. Mm. Uh, the font is the fi fiery font with the cut off um, lower. With the cut off lower bits. Why did they do that? It's just yeah. so weird. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I dabbled a bit with graphic design and I guess. My like venture guess is that they tried to become more contemporary. That it was not contemporary with these gothic pointy fonts at the time, because mm. everything was more street, right? In the mm. late nineties and early twenty thousands. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I mean, maybe it wasn't even the band decision. Maybe someone like, yeah, let's do a, let's renew the logo, and everyone was okay with it. And I think it might have been beyond the band actually, but I'm not quite sure. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah, mm. yeah. I've been like uh, really into uh, the artworks lately for Maiden because we're going through everything, right? So mm. and uh, with the and uh, like listening to how Derek Riggs has been working, and he he wasn't always treated that well in no. the band either. Like uh, very short, very short deadlines, and uh, yeah, mm. we were on Dance of Death the, the, yesterday, recording yesterday for your listeners last week, and that's also like a strange story, right? That artwork. Mm, yeah, it is. I, I, the uh, the Angel and the Gambler artwork, the one with Eddie and the dice there, it, it looks... It, 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 you wouldn't believe, if I didn't know better, I wouldn't believe it's an official it's an official artwork. It, it looks like some kind of weird bootleg thing that someone, you know, you know photoshopped or, or at that point, used, I guess, paint through together because mm. it looks so bad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess we don't have too much good to say about it. And I would say I don't hate the song. Never did. No, no. I just find it... I just find it I guess ill-advised is a good word. Yeah. It's just an <laughs> ill-advised song, the way it's put together. And the fact that it's a single, because they had stronger songs on that album, I, I quite like Virtual Eleven, actually, aside from the production. Mm. Well, we, we discuss this sometimes, and I think that it's very true here that if Martin Birch had still, you know, been involved, this song would have, would not have been, you know, you know like, the, how long is it? It's like, it's like 10 minutes, right? It would never have been that long if he'd been no. part of this. No. And I think Blaze Blaze would have sounded better because Martin is a killer vocal coach. Yeah. And um, Blaze can really sing. And I think also if Adrian was in the band, the way Adrian writes songs fits uh, Blaze's voice quite well. Mm. I've noticed later, and he said himself that he always wanted to do Wasted Years, but it was not allowed because, <laughs> you know, it's by an ex-member. But then they still do Two Minutes. They still mm. do Evil Dead Men Do. So it's kind of hypocrite, I guess, in a yeah. sense. Like, why not pull out the songs that he could actually perform? Yeah, you know, we mentioned this in almost every Blaze episode. Like this kind of sympathy for the Blaze, I guess. <laughs> yeah, like there are ways where he could have been a great Iron Maiden singer, but that's not the ways that they actually did things, in my opinion. Mm. 
But for you, Henke, you don't really listen to this era much, right? I did listen at the time, but then I haven't really... I mean, I, I, I have totally rediscovered Iron Maiden the late, in, lately, but it's been more... I don't know if that happens with age. It's been more the sort of a classic era of stuff when I, up until, say, 1990 or something like that, yeah, uh, that I've really been diving into. And I think it's... No, it's really rewarding, actually. But yeah. the, 90, the 90s have fallen a bit by the wayside for me. It's, it's a cool band to rediscover because I feel that they are a little bit better each time I, I get back yeah. into them somehow, mm. which is really strange. It's like uh, the time you put into Maiden kind of pays back. And uh, my theory is that it's because they're such a real band, you know, they're always going to be very Maiden. So, you know, if you used to like them at one point and go back to them, it's very much that feeling or that band again. Yeah. I've recently, or at least not recently, I guess it's two years at this point, but when, they, when the Legacy of the Beast tours came through here, I rediscovered a lot of older things, older songs, because I didn't really listen to uh, like two minutes and that kind of stuff for quite a while because you kind of take them for granted because you, you hear them so much. You know, I've, I've heard, I've heard number of the beast, you know, thousands of times at this point. And it was, it was nice kind of rediscovering them because I hadn't listened to them in so long. And, you know, mm. you know, you, you, Henrik and I sometimes discuss, you know, like uh, how, for instance, it's, it's maybe not the most exciting thing in the world at this point to hear fear of the dark live again, nope. uh, because we've, you know, both heard it. He's heard it a lot more than I have, but, I kind of had a period when I when I saw that tour. I kind of started to, to sort of fall in love again with these songs I've heard quite a few times, just because I hadn't heard them in a while. Yeah, um, yeah, which is fun. And I mean, I, I said in our little intro episode that first time I saw them when I was uh, thirteen, uh, I I didn't know they had staple songs in their set. So for mm. me, I was hoping for songs like "Hello Be Thy Name," "Number of the Beast," uh, and uh, also "Fear of the Dark." Uh, I mean, Fear of the Dark, I kind of mm. knew that they're probably going to play it because it was still such a hype around that song, even in, in 2000, eight mm. years or nine years after the release, eight, eight, I think. So, uh, I mean, for everyone that's there for the first time, if they wouldn't play it, yeah. you know, I think it'd yeah. be wrong. They mm. should. And they, they, it's a good live song. It's a very good yep. live song. Now, what do you, what do you guys think um, it, for non-Maiden fans, like for just people who don't listen to it at all, what do you think their biggest song is, their most famous song? Uh, for you know, for non like for just casual listeners who like maybe turn on the radio, is it Fear of the Dark? Hmm. Fear of the Dark, Wasted Years is a big one too, and I the Troop and the Trooper is a big one too. And I think the six 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 number of the Beast is the thing that sticks as well. Probably yeah, that's, that's right. probably true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, and that song is a very effective structure. I mean, it's quite a while until we get to it, but for example, they do the one and a half chorus run. You yeah. Know, so that the chorus is, is goes one time and then repeats, but only half of it repeats, and then you get thrown right back to the verse, which I love. Uh, they do the same trick in "Smoke on the Water," actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, same producer, so maybe it's one of his tricks, right? Yeah. Uh, like coming back to what Eric said about uh, about him being able to make songs more effective and make mm. structures more effective. I'm sure that he could have said like, "Hey guys, let's try one and a half runs of the chorus, and then you get this momentum right back to the verse." Does, he, does Martin Birch ever have a writing credit on any... Not not Maiden, I know he doesn't there, but uh, it seems like he almost should have a writing credit on some of the songs. Or he, has he, Did he ever write anything himself, or he just produce? You know? He has zero writing credits when he's producing. And the thing is, he mm-hmm. started with, the, for example, with Deep Purple, that is his big act. I mean, aside of Maiden and, and yeah. Dio Sabbath, he started out as an engineer, purely engineer. So yeah. there, were, there was a producer, and he was just the, the tech 
So I think he comes from that angle and I think he doesn't meddle a shit ton with the actual composition. He's possibly structure and definitely performance. I think he's mm-hmm. a guy that really like pulls out a good performance and he, he's, a, he's a guitarist. So he has some writing credits from his own projects that I haven't really mm. heard. And he plays a bit of guitar on, uh, I think, a black, not a Blackmore album, but possibly a Deep Purple album. He plays a bit of acoustic guitar. Mm-hmm. He does on there, so he's a musician, yeah. musician but um, mm. he's he's not credited for writing now. I didn't know that. Yeah, neither did I. Well, you know, you learn something every day. That's yep. right. Yeah, he's one of my heroes, right, Martin Birch. Mm. So we, like I said, what we, we do the uh, for every song is we sort of go do a vote if we put it on our top fifty uh, play, right. maiden playlist. Um, I'm gonna say for me, this song would not be on there. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna say no as well. Uh, and for me as well. Yeah, no. yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's not there. It's just not there. But I mean, I'm not hating on it. I'm no, really no. not. Uh, but yeah, ill advised. Yeah, let's Ill stick with that. Good. Yeah, let's stick with that. <laughs> <laughs> There's no better way to describe yeah. how this song is presented and made. Mm. And now we can move on. If we, if, we, if we have nothing more there, let's move on to the next song. We will uh, move on to the next song, which yep. is uh, Alexander the Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting song. Uh, Henrik, uh, let's start with you. Yeah, well, Somewhere in Time was the first Maiden album that I sort of waited for. I got Love of the Death, and then Somewhere in Time was released in September 86. And uh, I remember being very fascinated with, with, the, with the idea of, of hearing a new Maiden album that, yeah, at the same time as the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, the song really, I, I remember the songs stuck with me just because of all this. It has his, uh, you know, his birth and death date in the title and stuff like that. And under the title, it was really fascinating to me. Yeah. The historic mm. aspect of it. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the music, it's, I don't know, I was, you know, learning. So at the age of 11, everything is fantastic. So mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Mm. That's right. And I think uh, this song is. Um, I mean, first off, it's nice that this was your first like new Maiden album. Yeah. Because we're looking for that a bit when, when others join the show, because we mm. started listening in the late 90s. And I, I have another guest in line. His first album was uh, Killers, the first ah, new oh, release. Wow. And that's wow. also very interesting. That's like interesting, yeah. Hearing, how was it, like receiving Killers on cassette? Mm. <laughs> and what was the vibe then? And uh, Summer in Time has always been a bit of a favorite for me. It's from my year of birth, actually, 1986. Mm. Yeah, and and it's uh, I I usually say this maybe I'm not absolutely serious when I say it, but I'm a little bit serious that uh, the future ended in 1986. We've been going backwards since then. <laughs> it was the most future there ever was. Like All right. everything was so extreme in the mid uh, mid ni- mid eighties. You know, it was so much of everything in in music, not only in heavy metal, but you had the thrash metal thing. Mm. You had uh, you had heavy metal at its peak, and you had all this weird synth music, new wave. Uh, just a very maximized time, I think. But mm. I'm I'm romanticizing it a bit. I wasn't around really. No. Like I wasn't <laughs> so, the, so the future a- ended with your birth, then? Is that yeah, yeah exactly. It's a yeah. super narcissistic perspective. <laughs> yeah. Like it ended with Cliff Burton. Cliff Burton died, uh, and then mm. a month later he was reincarnated when I was born. I hope. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this album was also like uh, two weeks before I was born, or something like that. So. Mm. That's my egocentric uh, view yeah. on, on, on the year of 86. Yeah. Now, this, um, uh, this is a song that is often uh, 
It's very interesting because you know people talk about in these kind of very, it's very um, I can't think of a good word for it, but they've never played this song live, and a lot of people seem to you know really be uh, you know really be wanting to hear it live for quite a while. Uh, it looks like it might happen at some point now, um, but as our friends on Maiden Poulton have discussed, uh, for them at least, they 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 are not particularly fond of the song. No, uh, mm. they they think that the hype is bigger than the actual. You know, it's, yeah. it's more hype than there's substance. Um, yeah, I had a chat with them for my other podcast about Maiden Riffs, and we <laughs> talked a little bit about Alexander the Great and had a bit of fun with it because of, because of the lyrics mainly. Mm. My son, ask for thyself another kingdom. And I've noticed that too, that the lyrics are uh, possibly rushed. Uh, it feels like an entry from an encyclopedia straight yeah. up. And yeah. especially with those year dates there. So we laughed at that. And I often laugh at the fact that he had to change the last chorus. He had to augment it a little bit and add that, Did I don't feel very bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. long, <laughs> poof, done. Mm. And it feels like me, like, I don't know if you're going to relate to this, but you're writing an essay or something. Deadline is nearing. Yeah. Like, oh shit, oh shit. Okay, he died of fever in Babylon. Poof, done. You know. Yeah. <laughs> yes, send it in to the teacher. It's done. Mm. It's not it's not very poetically done at all. It's it's like he's singing the Wikipedia article about yes. Alexander the Great. Yes. Yeah. I mean that's the staple comment, and it's very much true. So I laughed at it with the maiden Podden guys. But uh, musically I find a lot of joy in this song, and more and more actually. It wasn't a favorite of mine when I was a kid, but it's mm. really like grown to to be one of my favorites, and I followed the discussion. Nico was on this uh, Spanish, uh, or Brazilian, I think, or Brazilian, Spanish, or Portuguese, like, so that I don't, I keep my back free, but he was mm. on that show talking drums and drumming for like an hour. It's up on YouTube. Mm. And, and and he said that they actually had this song ready to play it live, but there was a trouble with timing in the, there's this sec- section in the middle where there's a clean lead guitar. Like something like this. And apparently they couldn't really put it together. Yeah. I've heard that as well because it's uh, it's a thing in it's in seven four or seven four or something like that, the part. Mm-hmm. And it's Adrian sort of playing a solo over it, but his timing is so strange. I'm not saying it's out of time, it's just that his phrasing goes totally against the 7-4 figure. It's really interesting. So I do understand if they had trouble recreating it or yeah. playing it live. Yeah, It's a bit of a backbeat going there mm. in, in his phrasing of that clean clean solo part. It'll be interesting to see if they can pull it off if they're if they're going to try to do it and if they you know if they'll be if they have to change it now if they're going to try to do it. I think they can pull it off now. They're so good now, like uh, way better than they were in '86 in 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 terms of just musicians. Then there are other qualities that they've lost. I think. What would you say on that, um, Hendrik? Um, yeah, about their qualities. Yeah, I think they really do play, and I, I'm really play play well, and I'm really uh, convinced that they would be able to play it. Uh, a, a very good representation of it. Yes. Mm-hmm. But then I'm not sure that Adrian would be satisfied trying to emulate his solo. I think he might actually want to try to make something else. Yeah. Because he is, I'm not going to say constantly changing stuff, but he is throwing in new bits into his guitar solos and guitar leads all the time. So Yeah. I, I love what they did with Wicker Man on, on the, like, a bit into the last tour, a bit into the Legacy tour. It's one of the best Maiden solos as is, uh, his Wicker Man part, lead part, but he, he kind of augmented the end of it and added more of this um, 
whammy bar, evil that men do style, mm. uh, or wasted year style floating leads. And um, he, he really like he took one of their best solos, made it slightly better. Mm. And I think when when he changes stuff, he doesn't really he's not trashing around with it. You know, he's really like no. re- recomposing it. Whereas when yeah. Dave when Dave changes things, it's because he never practices. He just yeah he just you know, he just lets it lets it rip. <laughs> yeah. Mm. So, well, I know for instance he. Uh, he ch- changed the number, his so- solo number of the beast, and I, we've discussed this a few times, uh, Henrik. And uh, I, if I recall, I don't, I don't remember it now, but I, I don't think in this particular instance he improved it very much. In fact, I think it was better the old way. I think it's better the old way, as in the way it was '84 and onwards, or maybe mm. he even started changing it in '83. But because the original album solo, I believe it's a bit of a difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone's going to hate me if I'm wrong, here, but I do think that's. The case, I, but I agree with the, with that particular solo. I agree with you, uh, Eric. Uh, that it, it's for me, it's perfect on the album. It's one of my favorite rock solos mm-hmm. ever. It's just completely perfect. So maybe that one he should have just played it. But then again, with the speedy runs he does in the pentatonic scale, he always, you know, those are slightly improvised. They mm. can't really play them exactly the same phrasing, and that's my like Achilles heel when I try to play Adrian solos. Is his pentatonic runs? I can't get them to be as groovy and, and badass as he's are. Yeah, yeah. He always finds a way to time them that doesn't sound cliche. Yeah, hard to describe. And in this song you got like bursts of solos from him. I think he plays three solos in a row, you know, with Steve Harris filling in in between. In, yeah, in Alexander yeah. the mm. And then Dave has a longer solo uh, without breaks yeah. after it. And it's a great part of the song. I think. And it's also a lot more classic di- uh, diatonic harmonies for Dave's solo, whereas Adrian's has the bit where they make the modulation f- with... Yes. Uh, I can't remember what key it is. It's the solo in... Adrian's solo is in A, I guess, A minor. That sounds right, and, doesn't it? Yeah. And then he makes the modulation thing where he goes to B flat and F. Oh, right. Yeah. Which, yeah, uh, which, which I believe a, uh, Dave's solo is just straight off a diatonic, if it's mm. A minor or whatever it is. It's cool when they modulate it. I think it's in, yeah. if, if we go back to Number of the Beast there, I think Dave's solo is modulated to uh, A Dorian, if I recall correctly, mm. uh, which is also a cool move. Or maybe Mixolydian, I don't remember, but they do that sometimes with the solos. Mm. I guess the guitarists get bored of you know just playing E minor pentatonic. And mm. They, they want to do something interesting with it. I think I want to ask you, Henrik, about the drumming in this in this song. It's a classic solid you know, mid-paced Nick McBrain uh, to support the classic maiden galloppy, slow gallop thing. Sure. Yeah, and uh, I think I think it's, I mean, I've never really thought about the drums, which must mean that there's nothing upsetting about them, and that's good. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I, re- I do remember from when hearing the song when I was a kid that I, because I never, I never got my head around the 7-4 time signature i just thought well this is something weird that they're playing and i was sort of like hearing the phrasing totally different uh and i'm a lot less impressed with that drumming now because it's just four, seven four going repeating itself mm-hmm. yeah um, i think uh what we talk about we talked about something last week uh, that steve harris likes to kind of reflect the lyrics in in the music in a very mm-hmm. physical way there are examples of this like in the longest day there's like this crashing crashing towards uh, um, cliffs and waves. Uh, mm. And there is, uh, you know, Genghis Khan, you ride out with the full speed. Or, mm. uh, 
there are many examples of this, and in this song, I think it's also very much like that, that they introduce like several different horses, mm. uh, horse horse tempos. <laughs> yeah. So it's like we have the gallop, obviously, but in this song they bring in another tempo, which I don't know the English term for. In Swedish, it would be skrit. Oh, it's, that, it's kind know. of when you know the, the horse is in the mi- kind of middle tempo, a little bit slower. Can- like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know very many horse terms. No, and I guess our listeners. Yeah. Neither, neither does our listeners, I guess. Mm, but let, it, let's say I can look it up. Maybe it's if you listen to this song when they go into the you can look in your mind's eye. You can see these these riders and you know entering this kind of contemplative riding speed. You know, just where you can look around your surroundings and a little bit more careful. I think the song, in the way the tempo shifts, is very much like him marching. Okay, I don't know mm. if this is right because it sounds very boring. But I just I just uh, uh, googled uh, the words hest and skrit just to see what I got. And I got horse. Wa- I got horse walk. Horse walk. <laughs> well, right. well, you know, you go from riding the horse to walking it. I guess. Walking the horse. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, uh, um, anyone listening or or you guys, if you listen to this the next time, you sh- you will for sure see this picture in your mind of horses when, you know, walking. Yeah. When, when they leave, they no longer lean forward like in a gallop. They, you know, the rider is straight up, sitting straight up, and that kind of. I don't know. It's a it's a story. Isn't it trot? Trot's probably better than walk. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. Is that is that even a word? Yes, trotting is a word. Yeah. Yeah. The trotting part, the trotting part of the song. So Maiden are introducing different variations of horse beats. Yeah. Horse trotting. Yes. Yeah. No, that's trav. Oh, no. yeah. There might be three different <laughs> horse tempos in this song. Get back to us, listeners. But trav is probably or trav. I mean, or trotting then is above walking because yeah, trav or trotting is like horse power walking. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, made an A to Z horse special, uh, yeah. horse power walking, <laughs> everything about horses and how they relate yeah. to our maiden songs and music. Now, now um, let's see. Uh, but going back to what you said, Jonathan, about yeah. the um, the reflecting the lyrics, and it's I think after the second chorus, when it gets to the instrumental bit, uh, where the drums go down to the snare, I mean, it can be described as some kind of you know war element of of you know the snare in the battlefield and stuff like that and yes. that's p- part is then building up to the trotting horse <laughs> <laughs> yeah then the yeah. you know then the army is on the move before it's yeah, exactly. kind of like yeah. planning it or you know putting the pieces together for for, for mm. an attack and uh, i mean it's a fascinating story as well i don't know i'm not a huge like war history nerd really like i'm more into mm. art art history and, and cultural history but uh, are you guys familiar with with alexander the uh, only thing, yeah, Eric. Not not really more than the you know the very broad strokes about. Uh, I mean, I'm I'm more familiar about the fact that you know he, people still be able to find his tomb. Uh, you know, I I know that much. He's supposed to apparently have a be buried in encased in gold somewhere, and he's buried somewhere, and they haven't been able to find him. And that that I know that, and I know there was a movie a few years ago that wasn't very good, and I didn't see that movie. But mm-hmm. I, I I know very very I'm not I'm not I'm not that well versed in his history. I don't think. No, the only thing I know about that song is what Steve lists in his article. Yeah. That's the <laughs> lyrics for the song. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, similar for me. And I think mm. uh, the guys in Maiden Podden also mentioned, like maybe to kind of honor it a little bit, that they knew they met a guy in Los Angeles who became a, a historian because of this song. Yeah. So even though it's kind of bland, you know, it's kind of, you know, as I said, it's a quick deadline type work, but still, you know, an historian mm. was inspired. And then I listened to a Norwegian Maiden Pod as well, Gamal Maiden, it's mm-hmm. called. And in there, lo and behold, another historian pops out, also inspired <laughs> by Iron Maiden. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and he was inspired by uh, uh, that song and also Quest for Fire, which he now said has <laughs> the biggest which factual, is not... huge yeah. factual mistake in that song. Because they sing about a time when dinosaurs walked walk the earth and then uh, mm-hmm. humans are uh, on a quest for fire. Yeah. And I think they, it was about six million years off or something. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. <laughs> to, to, to draw that conclusion. And, but yeah, historians like getting inspired to become historians uh, by Iron Maiden, I think, I think it makes sense. You know? yeah. It has that uh, bo- uh, kind of boy room historian charm to it. Yeah, I'm sure that some of my interest in aviation was brought about from, you know, Aces High and stuff like that. So. Oh yeah, yeah, for me yeah. too. All right. Well, then I know that I'm going to have to ask you about that kind of stuff because I have zero interest in aviation, really. <laughs> <laughs> How can you? I like it as a mean of transport, however. Yeah. It's very efficient. Mm. And I like that Bruce and loves it. And Nico is a flyer too, right? He's a, he flies Yeah, at least, at least he's used to. I don't know how much yeah. he's doing it nowadays. Yeah, I, I think Nico was first too. Wasn't he, he started before Bruce, right? He yeah, before yeah Bruce, he was yeah. flying already in the 80s. Yeah, that's true. And then uh, Bruce, uh, I guess Bruce was inspired by him. And it feels like typical Bruce that he's introduced to a cool concept. And he's like, okay, how can I completely master this? Exactly. I think it's spot on. Yeah, which is always impressive, I think. Mm, yeah. He's like he's definitely a unique character on this on this planet. It is. His determination yeah. and all that. Yeah. yeah. Now would you uh, would you put this on the I don't know we got any more. Oh yeah, uh I have a clip as well, but uh, we can we can put it on the list first if you want. Oh wait, let's see what what, what what what's the clip? Mm? It's a clip of um this this drummer that is supposedly on uh, on a payroll or on a retainer. To jump in if Nico gets hurt or sick or something. It's uh, Steve's nephew. Uh, his name is Joe Lazarus. Oh, yeah. Are you mm-hmm. familiar with this guy? Uh, so, I mean, there, obviously this is not official facts, but uh, it's, he's, he's rumored to be on a retainer to be able to join Maiden at any time, as was actually Nico back in the day. I don't know if you're familiar with this, that Nico was hired before Clive was fired. I have heard this, but I never knew about it well, I say back then, but I, I I only learned this very recently, and I I've been struggling to find any more support for it apart from one interview. I think he himself has confirmed it, but I'm not a hundred. And it one. might be that source. I don't know. But. Yeah, and uh, so he was on a payroll basically to be ready because they knew mm-hmm. that Clive was a bit of a loose cannon. He was partying a lot, doing a lot of amphetamine at the time, not sleeping properly, and so on. I think that just just how 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 very girded they are about details with how the the inner workings of Maiden. It yeah. seems like the kind of thing that uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it was true and we never heard about it really properly because I think they keep a lot of of their internal machinery very 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 secret. They sure. do, yeah. But but the thing I heard is that Nico was actually uh, jumping in to replace Clive on some of the dates of the. Uh, number of the beast tour in the US and I mm. have still to find a bootleg where I can actually hear his drumming mm. on that tour okay. so I don't, I'm not I'm not sure about this yeah I put I put a yellow light on that one I'm not sure mm. if, it, if yeah. it's like a 
confirmable. I know that he has confirmed that he played before joining the band. In yeah, I mean, he did a playback show in TV, on TV wearing an Eddie mask. With an Eddie yeah. mask, yeah, mm. which is, you know, that's great in itself. Mm. Definitely. Either way, this is Joe Lazarus, and it kind of speaks for him being um, being included in the Maiden company that he he is uh, Steve's nephew and his rehearsal place. Can you guess where he rehearses? No. In Steve's old barn? That's correct. Oh, wow. Uh, Barnyard Studios. Yeah. That's where he plays his drums. And that's also where this uh, clip comes from. So let's listen mm. to him drum a bit on this song. I can say it's it's very obvious it's not Nico. You can hear you can hear a big difference in how Yeah. This is quite majestic as well. I like this part. Mm. Reminds me of Seventh Son, like a premonition of that. And here comes the trot. I think good high at work. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I think I've, I've I've seen him. I've seen a few other clips with him, and the thing is that he has learned the album parts more or less stroke by stroke. It seems it sounds it looks yeah. like sounds like, and I'm sure he could play the songs and do the gig. But mm. there's, I mean, there's always going to be that thing that you can hear it's not Nico. I don't, I don't know if that's bad or good or bad, but and I don't yeah. know if it's a matter of the the actual sound of the drums or if it's a matter of I think I think he's he's a bit too too much Nico to be Nico in that sense <laughs> right right yeah because he's very much inspired or like n- nurtured or t- tutored by by Nico yeah that's yeah. how he tries mm-hmm. to play and but he plays a very small kit he plays a um, four-piece like yeah. snare tom tom mm-hmm. so I guess if, if he was in the band maybe he would be forced to play a huge kit right? I am sure he would yeah yeah I mean, my, my feeling is that if they're going to bring someone else in, I, 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 it didn't like I said, it doesn't sound like Nico, and that's probably good because you you don't want someone who's going to just copy the the, the other guy because that doesn't that wouldn't be right either. That wouldn't be. I think it's more interesting if they bring his own thing to it. Yeah, and I want to say, like in his defense, I want to say that he is now playing two of the albums in these videos. Yeah. So he's superimposing a drum beat on top of a finished production with its own grooves, right? Yeah. They normally don't use click tracks in the studio. Definitely not on this song. No. And um, so it's harder that way. I guess, yeah. Hendrik, you can fill in on that. But for me, as a producer, I I tend not to ask drummers to do this too often. Like, I prefer if they have a possibility of, of having their own groove put to it. And then you add instruments on top of that afterwards. Like, p- playing on a finished demo, or in this case, a finished album track, it's harder to do it with a, a unique style. It will be very... Slave driven. Yeah, it's sense. it's never going to give a give you know a fair representation of what your abilities are because you are going to be confined to what's recorded. Yeah, and, uh, right. Yeah, so I, I totally agree with you that I mean, yeah, you you can only judge him if we actually heard him play the songs with someone. Yeah, and he has played with Richie Faulkner from yeah from from from, but that's still two albums. They still yeah. play to the album tracks. Sadly, I I would love to hear him play. Free time or I'm sure time. they could find musicians to complete the lineup and play the songs. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm not sure why, but Would maybe interesting. Maybe they don't want to spur the rumors too hard. I don't know, but I'd love to hear him in Maiden. I mean, obviously, I, I'd prefer to hear Nico drumming until he's 200 years old. But 
definitely. Yeah, we, well. we all know how how likely that is. Mm. Well, I mean, they, they say that you know they said I think they uh, a few times it's kind of been brought up. Uh, it seems like they kind of want to give the impression that if someone doesn't want to do it anymore, they're all gonna just you know they won't do it. They'll stop doing it. Yeah. But what do you guys think? Do you think if like let's say Yannick or let's say Adrian or maybe even Nico don't want to do it, I, I think they'd probably keep going for a bit. I mean, Nico himself addressed this and said that he will leave gracefully. That's his words. Yeah. <laughs> if if he was getting like behind and couldn't run the machine, uh, that's mm. what he told the guys. And I think they would continue without Nico actually because he's the closest to to not being able to do it. Even though you can't really hear it, I think he plays great. I think you can hear it more in Bruce, but. We said it before, Bruce, it's not really a quitter, right? No, not really. Yeah, it's interesting to see. I don't know. I mean, Nico has said that, and I totally understand him on that point. But on the other hand, if he was to quit, I mean, there would be a lot of discussions and outrage in the music community, I guess. Oh, definitely. Yeah. 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 Not, well, outrage is probably a strong word, but so yeah. it's, I don't know. Would they continue? Because Bruce has been very vocal about, you know, bands being being tribute acts to themselves and not really yes. uh, playing properly and stuff like yeah. that. So, I don't know. They have a lot to live up to. I, I just listened uh, a, a few, uh, like on, the, on uh, this afternoon before we started doing this, to the, uh, they just released uh, Sign of the Cross from the yeah. uh, upcoming uh, live album. Mm-hmm. And on that one, Nico sounds great. Yeah, I heard uh, a few few bits of it. It was it was I was amazed at how inspired and driving the drums were. Yeah. Now what I will say is I noticed that I mean uh, some, a lot of people have been sort of uh, have brought this up uh, that uh, his uh, um, that Bruce sounds doesn't sound you know great. But then someone also pointed out it might not have been the smartest idea vocal wise to record a live album at a place that's like seven hundred feet above sea level because the air is very thin. And it's, it's hard is, to even yeah. breathe up there if you're not yeah. used to it. So singing is, is probably going to be really hard. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know how down you are on the dates, uh, but this was quite far into the tour, I imagine. Mm. Yeah, it must have been. It must have been quite late on the tour, I guess. Right. Yeah. Right. So I, I think vocally he sounded better in Stockholm when we saw them. But obviously yeah. the band wasn't warmed up yet, and in this in this song, Sign of the Cross, they lost themselves too, right? Yeah, they did. Well, something they did happened here, yeah. to to Nico's. I don't, I don't know if it's something with his bass drum pedal or something. Yeah, because. also I think he he fucked up the part because it yeah. goes like there's ar- arbitrary beats of five eight in that part. Yeah, uh, we'll we'll get to mm. it in that song later. I love that part. It's a really mm. killer part where they utilize the the diabolos in musica as well, which they don't do too often. So it's no. quite evil. And mm. I mean, but it's hard. I play it along with the record, and I understand that you can get lost and super hard to find your way back. They're yeah. like the anchor points move all the time. But I felt that for me, it added a nerve to the gig because I'm a musician myself and I, I really felt like, oh, this is, you know, the real deal. <laughs> you know, yeah, they, they I, are they're playing I, in the air. And I, it, I felt it was so good to see that they, di- they didn't, I mean, they just, everyone, they stood together and, okay, let's go through this. And they yeah. did. I don't know if, it, if the part got actually a bit longer because of the fuck up. Or, oh, it did. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, it's it, that's really cool. I think so real. Still, they exited on the on the right note, so to speak. Yeah, yeah but the pyro was fucked up for the because yeah, the pyro engineer must have been like shit. When I'm gonna when I'm gonna push this button, you know? And that that part is my favorite of the whole X Factor album. And yeah, still, I was happy to see it. You know, it's just nice to see real musicians 
making real mistakes sometimes. Mm. It, it adds something to yeah, it. Definitely, and, you definitely. Know, when I started listening mm-hmm. to metal, it was a lot of backtracks going on. Uh, bands like In Flames and, yeah. and so on. And, uh, you know, that's all fine and well in, in a sense. I mean, it works. It still works for the crowd. So you shouldn't be a mm. music snob about it. But to have this realness is, is something else, I think. It's two different beasts, sort of. I mean, it's, the music has different things you need to convey with it, I think. Maiden yes. has never relied on that side of things. I mean... Even with the keyboards, everybody knows that Michael Kenny is behind this yeah. band yeah. playing. So yeah, they've been mixed very loud lately. I like that. Like on live chapter, they are loud, and on um, this uh, on sign of the cross, they are also loud on yeah. the new one, which I think it's cool. I like yeah, it. It's, it's also interesting. Just shows how much of a very you know finely tuned machine they are. Since it's, since it was very obvious in Stockholm, like we said, they're not using backing tracks because they you know because that's how you get you know. Because if they were doing that, then that that whole mess wouldn't have happened. But mm. normally they sound almost exactly like they do on the albums, and you don't you don't get that without a backing track unless you're you know an insanely fine tuned machine. Yeah, true. Yeah, and I mean mm. if you go back to the eighties, they did play very fast. They did <laughs> very time, very you know? fast. Yeah, and I'm like Team Adrian on that one. I'm always that guy in the band. I'm always telling my bands like, couldn't we? It's better if you play it slightly too slow, isn't it? Yeah, it sounds professional. I think if you play too fast, it sounds. You know, like a youth center. But mm. then again, Maiden in the 80s, they were not youth center. No, they... they Still, they, they were pretty fucking good uh, live, mm. but fast. Speaking, Sometimes. Of the, speaking of the 80s, yeah, we should probably... Oh, we should also say if we put this on our list, and for me, it's, it's on the list, I think. Oh, God, yes. It has to be there. Hendrik? I am... I, I don't know, because I haven't really thought about counting, you know, tallying, tallying songs up in that sense, but it might actually be there. Yeah. I'm sorry so to be did. so vague about it. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> no, that's right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> sometimes it's sometimes it is vague. Like I, I discussed this with a friend that we have this. It was Eric's idea. This mm. top fifty, and I discussed it with him, and we brought up some songs that you know a little bit ambiguous. I don't remember exactly which song, but a song that we really dig. And it's like, mm. yeah, probably not top fifty. No. Yeah. Top fifty is so many. a bit rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it's a good number, fifty. Well, so so far mm. we've done. Let's see. This is our. Uh, oh, let's see. We've we've done one, two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, and we're gonna do nine uh, out of out of. Uh, well, we've done eight so far. Then uh, mm-hmm. only so three of them are on the list so far. Oh, sorry, four, four are now on the list. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, because shockingly enough, uh, two a.m. Age of Innocence and The Alchemist <laughs> did not make the list. Oh no, I forgot. Really? Uh, I forgot. Afraid to strangers. Yes, yeah, sir. We did that too. Yeah, that's a given mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Afraid is definitely on the list. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean that means that half of them we put on the list. But you're judging by the number of songs they've released, it's less than third. Yeah, definitely. less than a third. Less than a third are going on the list. Mm-hmm. So I think it's uh, it'll be interesting for sure. Yeah. So let's uh, competition. We got. We're now we're going back to. Let's see. This is nineteen. Uh, oh. Eighty one. Eighty one. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting track. Another life, another life. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's one of those songs on on the early albums, which with this strange suicidal or uh, depressed thematic that uh, pops up now and then. Like uh, uh, Innocent Exile is similar. Uh, mm. Like this lost guy that is like uh, you know completely on the skid row in life. And uh, as I lay here lying on my bed, <laughs> you know, he's kind yeah. of. Some kind of suicidal contemplation, uh, yeah. Different song in, in in the Maiden catalog. Do you have any relation with this song? My relationship to it is that when 
as I said, Live After Death was my first Maiden album. But then in the summer of, or I don't know, but the first Maiden album I bought after Live After Death was Killers. Uh-huh. And Another Life was my first sort of like favorite song on it that I started listening to. I don't know if it was the drum thing that got me or the drum intro, or if it was just that it's, it's got a really nice drive. It's Clavier again. I really like that yeah. drive it has. And it was uh, featured um, as late as 2005 live yeah. as well. I uh, was so happy to see it. Yeah. Oh, you were, you yeah. were at Ulevi. I was at Ulevi and I, was, mm. I went to... I, I was very disappointed with Ulevi because I wasn't really, you know, at the, at the very front. I was very far back, still oh, on the okay. floor, but yeah. And, uh, but I went to Hammersmith Odeon to see them, uh, the Clive Ooh, Aid thing. Yeah, it was fantastic. <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Because yeah. that's mm. a small capacity too, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, I don't know. It's like 2000, something like that. I don't wow. know. Wow. Yeah. I mean, because I, mm. I usually say it's one of my biggest mistakes in my life that I didn't see <laughs> the early years tour because I'm, mm. I'm such a fan of those four albums. And yeah, Ulivi is not that far away. But then again, it's a huge stage. And um, yeah, maybe is. that's a problem sometimes. You know, it's harder mm. to get. Yeah, but, but I'm very happy that TV recorded it because I felt that it was a lot. It's, I get a lot more enjoyment from from looking at the TV broadcast than my memories from the gigs. Were. Ah, thank you for saying that. It makes me feel better about yeah, my yeah, life choices. Yeah. <laughs> my life choices are now like completely yeah. improved. <laughs> we discussed a few times that we've been, me and Henrik have discussed that it's, because I, I assume kind of this would, this would at some point been released as a live album from that gig. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I'm surprised nothing's happened. They haven't released anything from that tour officially uh, so far. Yeah. And I, as I understand it, that was the idea, but then there was some kind of trouble with the audio recording at the beginning of the show, so mm-hmm. I don't know. Okay, all right. Yeah, because it's such a good show, and it, I mean, I hope that Maiden, when they call it quits, they just release a shit ton of things they've recorded along the years. Yeah, it would make sense economically. So much stuff. Economically, yeah. it would make sense, you know, they get even more pension or... Or inheritance for their children and it makes yeah. sense for us fans yeah. because we can listen to it we don't even have to buy things we can just listen to them uh, mm. or buy you know they're probably going to release several you know packaging packages like they do now there's um, always a picture there's always a picture disc to be made yeah yes. exactly make, make good though <laughs> make good though so i mean that's like mm. my message to our to sanctuary and to uh, to our maiden holdings like Okay, you don't have to do it now like Metallica, but when you're done, yeah. please do it like Metallica. Release everything yeah. you have, just everything. Uh, I just, I just want to one time be at a gig that gets released as a live album. That seems like because I, I thought, I thought that you know, it seems like at some point, I'm sure there will be a gig, uh, an album released from a Swedish gig. Uh, mm. I'm surprised that uh, it, like I said, but I thought it would have been then. Uh, it would really annoy me if it turned out to be the Legacy, the Beast, the one in Sweden Rock Festival, because that's the one one I didn't see. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm. Sweden is long overdue. Long overdue. Yeah. Mm. We need, like... Yeah, but, I mean, there has been B-sides recorded in uh, in Sweden, so... Yeah, right, but yeah. it's it's but it, that's not another life. So we, maybe we shouldn't go there. That's, that's right. right. Yes, that's yeah, right. yeah, that's right. We're supposed to talk about that. Another life. Another yeah. life. Yeah. This, uh, this suicidal uh, tune from... <laughs> from uh, from Killers, and I saved a clip from this one that uh, you sent to me, Henrik, because yeah. ap- apparently they altered the drum intro, right? Mm-hmm. In, in for the for the number of the beast tour, Clive, yeah, felt the need to make a different intro. Refresh my mind, which uh, what was the bootleg for that? Uh, it, it's on the Beast of Hammersmith record uh, disc from the box set, I guess. All right, There's yeah, Beast of Hammersmith. Yeah. Let's see if I can go directly to another life. 
Um, mm. I'm gonna cross-reference it to the, to the studio intro. Yeah. Uh, so let's do the studio intro first, uh, mm. and that we all know. Just because, you know, why not? It's a good clip. Yeah. Mm. Okay, here we go. It's a fun intro, right? It is. It's, it's so dead simple, you know, making a drum roll on, on the toms like that. It's, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I think Lars Ulrich was inspired for uh, the intro to uh, Motor Breath for, for, from this one, probably, because he was a big I'm, I'm sure he was very inspired by Clive because he was the drummer in the Iron Maiden that made Lars Ulrich, I guess. Yeah, so. yeah like I said before, the machine gun snare mm-hmm. fill, uh, Cozy Powell yeah. slash Clive, he, mm. he definitely took from, from that. And he was a Cozy mm. Powell fan as well. So let's see how Clive changed it up then, because I haven't listened to this in ages, so it's new for me as well. Mm-hmm. This is Beast of Hammersmith. Oh, yeah. shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's yeah, killer. I, li- I like the original, the studio version better, I think. Uh, no, I love the live version. That's killer. Uh, yeah. I haven't heard it's, this. It, I've, yeah. I have heard it, but I haven't registered it. That's killer, I mm-hmm. think. But uh, yeah, I could see both being a fave, but that's so cool. Uh, now, now, what did Nico do in 2005? He did the original one. All right. yeah. Let's check that out, too. Uh, anyway, because yeah. he plays different. He did, plays different. he did the original in 1983 as well. When they all right, it. all right, yeah, yeah. Or did they play it in 83? No, I'm... I can probably check that. Yeah, I'm doing a search now. Another live Ulivi 2005. So let's see how Nico handles it. Yeah. Yeah, faithful to the original, but I love that hi hat beat version. It sounded really tight too. Yeah, it is. I mean, and I I don't know if they if he just felt the need to change that because. Uh, in 81 or in 8081 he used to have a drum solo in the song oh, but okay. in 82 he skipped it so i don't know if that was his bit <laughs> yeah and i mean as as a monitor engineer which i worked as sometimes i think maybe if you have a bit less uh, technology going on um, it's harder to monitor toms so that everyone in the band can lock onto them it's easier with yeah. a, with a proper beat like that so that could also be a reason just to tighten it up you know so they wouldn't have to play along to Tom's. Possibly. But yeah. I think actually I was a bit over enthusiastic about them playing it in 83. I'm not really sure. I couldn't find anything, but I, no. but I just did a very quick check, so I don't know. Yeah. And then uh, like to go out of the drum uh, zone, uh, we could also discuss that, that riff. It's a uh, very deep purple-esque, isn't it? Very and it uh, doesn't really have much to do with the rest of the song either. No. Just an intro. Mm. And, uh, good. and it's an interesting thing with this song, is when they, after the verses, when they get to the guitar harmonies, Steve is actually playing a third harmony to it. I mean, usually he just plays the root notes, but there they mm. are actually playing a three-part harmony. All right. All of them, which is quite, I don't know if, I'm sure there are intros where they do that, but it's... Yeah, maybe Killers, I think the song, in the song Killers, the, the weird part, like... Yeah. Maybe there. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like he's yeah. he's fairly. Uh, he, he doesn't. Yeah. He's playing a different rhythm, but he's playing. Yeah. Exactly. He's doing his own harmony or whatever. Yeah. And um, mm. I think another life is a cool song. I'd be happy to see them just yeah. put it out randomly. Maybe instead of uh, Ratchild, just play this mm. one. 
you know, just anything from Killers instead of Ratshaw. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. Killers has one of my favorite songs of of their whole catalog in uh, Purgatory, and they never really did yeah. that live. They did it like once with Bruce Dickinson in in Italy on his first gig. They do it. Yeah. Uh, is is there a bootleg of that available? It is. Yeah, yeah it, is. it is. It yeah. is. It's actually filmed his first gig with Maiden with a handy. It wasn't called Handycam back then. I'm sure it was very bulky, but yeah, uh, uh, yeah home video camera. That's cool. I got to check that out because that's one of the things I, I, I really hope they bring that out at some point because that's such a great song. Yeah, it's one of my favorite mm. songs in, in metal. You know, it's such a cool song and it's just really, it's all of everything at once. You know, I, I, I found Purgatory, yeah, from Rome in 1981. Yeah. Cool. I'll look at that later. Yeah, it's, mm. it's a, a wild Yeah, but the video, is from, the video is from Bologna in 26th of September. Mm-hmm. All right. They most likely 81. played another life at that gig, right? Because they didn't have that many songs. Oh, I, I don't, I don't know. Here. I'm sure they, I'm sure they just continued the Killers set list, so yeah. they would have played it. Yeah, I could check that. I'm, I'm on, I'm on the set list website here. That's a great, yeah. that's a great website, setlist.fm. Yeah, um, it is. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's always very interesting. I, what I, what I've done, what I love, had a lot of fun doing is going back and looking at the. Um, you know the the album tours and see what they kind of pulled out for the various because you know there's a lot like uh, yeah just it's just interesting seeing what kind of stuff you know what what random songs they would have picked out from those albums. All right, here we go. Yeah. So it's uh, they played uh, start uh, yeah Sanctuary Purgatory Wrathchild Twilight Zone Remember Tomorrow Genghis Khan Killers Another Life Innocent Exile Running Free Murders in the Room Morgue Phantom of the Opera Iron Maiden. Then they did Transylvania, Drifter, Prowler, and I Got the Fire. All right, it, I I would have wanted I I wanted to be there. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a good yeah, that sounds very cool. Fun. And uh, fantastic. Yeah, we didn't mention the the writing credits, but in this episode, it's all Harry's actually. All three songs. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All Harry's, but in this very Wait, uh, isn't Angel the Gambler? Isn't uh, there's no one else in there? I think it's Harry's. Yeah. If someone else would have been there, they, it would have been a shorter song, I think. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I'm quite sure it's Harry's. I couldn't see it being mm. a, a co-credit on that one either. I think you're, you're probably right. No, was... no, it's it's Harry's. It's Harry's. And uh, All right. another yeah. remark, <laughs> another remarkable thing with another life, or maybe you want, had something to add there, Henrik, first. Yeah, I was just uh, thinking that uh, another life shares a property with a lot of killer songs, and that is that it's only got one verse that's sort of like repeated. Yeah. Yeah, exactly what I wanted to, what I was going to get into, that the, the whole lyric of this song is eight lines. Yeah. So it's, as I lay here lying on my bed, sweet voices coming through my head. Uh, what, it is, what is it I want to know? Uh, please won't you tell me it's got to go. And then the second four lines are, there's a feeling that's inside me, feeling me to get away. But I'm so tired of living, I might as well end today. Very sparse mm. uh, lyrical content, but it's enough, yeah. it's enough for the song. Mm. Uh, also, it's rumored on on these uh, early albums that some songs are co-written by others, and uh, they've been bought out. Like an example that is confirmed is Sanctuary, and I think also Strange World. They, they were yeah. they were written by other guitarists, and they were economically cons- compensated to not be included in the credits. So uh, I, I have I have I haven't heard about uh, Sanctuary. It was uh, Bob Angelo, the guitarist from '76, who oh, wow. supposedly wrote that one. Yeah, yeah. And Strange World, I, I think it's one of the early vocalists that should have a credit on that, but doesn't, obviously. So yeah. Possibly. So you see this mm. album, uh, another, uh, this album Killers, it's pretty much all Harris and then co, co-credited to Diano on uh, the title track. 
Yeah. As well as one more, or just the title track? Uh, it's a title track, unless we are uh, including Twilight Zone, which was on the... That's a Murray tune, uh, yeah. American version. That's a Murray Harris song. Yeah. yeah. Which a- Adrian actually mentioned in an interview that he wrote the middle part for. for <laughs> and I don't understand why he doesn't have a credit for it. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. That happens yeah. also like with this first album you're on. You like Bruce Dickinson, of course, it was reasons going to Samsung, but he also yeah. wrote parts of um, Children of the Damned and Run to the Hills for sure. And, yeah, and The Prisoner. But he probably has ro- well. he probably has royalties for that anyway. You know, they've they they worked it out. I think he has writing writing royalties, but in, yeah, no credits. Have, but they probably worked it yeah. out internally in Iron Maiden, right? Uh, I'm sure. Possibly, I don't I'm know. Sure, yeah. because that guy's a businessman, mm-hmm. so. But uh, yeah, killers in general. We have we been on killers before. We haven't, right? No, this is a this is a first Diana song we've done. Yeah, so I guess mm. it's, it's kind of uh, in place to to talk about this album a little bit. I think it's a very very cool album. Like if I'm a yeah. little bit tired of Maiden, otherwise I usually tend to lean back to Killers because it has a different type of energy. It's quite brief. Definitely. Quite a brief album, and yeah. So. Yeah, I've never thought about it that way, but that's exactly my feelings with as well because there's always going to be songs that i am <laughs> over and over surprised that how good i think they are yeah and i'm a huge fan of well uh, innocent exile and murders in the room morgue and mm. the drifter for some reason oh really yeah yeah that's yeah. a pr- if, if i uh yeah i'm so it's funny because that doesn't drifter doesn't sound like a song that you would <laughs> you would like but uh, well yeah that's cool yeah yeah no, but it got such drive to it, and yeah. the live versions on the B sides, yeah, it's just fantastic. Yeah. Also, also they don't they don't play it all the fucking time like they're running free. So they they don't. Yeah, they played it in in 05, They played it, and but it's very nice in the old uh, Mark You Club version when you can hear that the capacity is maybe 150, 200 people. Yeah, and then they get into is. that. <laughs> yo, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's a classic. It's so football. It's so like. Uh, British and dirty. It's a cool version. Mm. I think I have yeah. two B sides with that exact same version on, but why not? Uh, yeah, cool song. It was like, yeah. Well, that's a, we're not going to go into Drifter now because I I have a totally different uh, beast to be a different can of worms to open. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> but let's say mm. okay, which one is better, Drifter or Another Life? They're kind of deep cuts from this era. Ooh. That's interesting, but I. I no, I'd have to... I can't decide. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Eric, mm-hmm. what would you say? I, I'd say for me it's Drifter. It's Drifter, yeah. Mm. yeah. I, w- I would give him a tie as well. I can't decide either. I think they. Mm. Well, this album has that rock uh, energy. Like, I'm a big Deep Purple fan. And I think it's yeah. the most Deep Purple sounding album. I mean, Martin is on board. Production is stellar. And then there's mm. all these... It's actually like a 70s album, really. Even though yeah. it's released 81... It has a 70s vibe, 70s tone to it, and a lot of old songs. I think, Henrik, you may be able to correct me on this, but I think that it's three songs written in the 80s on this album. I think there's... Uh, and that's going to be Murders in the Room Org. Yeah. I don't know about Another Life, but it, no, it, it, it's possibly older. I yeah. think it's 70s. Uh, yeah. Uh, Murders in the Room Org. I think I have to stop there because... Uh, well, possibly Twilight Zone, if we count that one. Yeah, I, I don't count that one, but that's a fresh one for sure. But I think there are, yeah. I think for me, this is me guessing, you know, I just, I don't have any facts on this, but Murders in the Room or Genghis Khan and possibly Killers, I think are new tracks. Yeah, 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 of course, Killers, yeah. Killers is a is an 80s song. Yeah, I mean, and the rest is 70s material. 
I'm yeah. fairly positive, but I'm judging this by my ears, not really by facts, and also, of course, by old set lists where they were. Yeah, it's old set lists, and then even Purgatory was an older song before that called Floating. So it's a uh, floating. Yeah, uh, there are bits of it, and Ides of March is going back to '77. Yeah. Since Samson did record another version of it. Exactly, exactly. And yeah. Ratchild, mm. obviously, super old. Jurassic yeah. period. Innocent Exile, super old. One of the first songs mm. he wrote. Prodigal Son yeah. might be a new one too, actually. And I think that's uh, also one of the songs that might have a hidden credit on it. Uh -huh. Because it's a, bit, it's a bit old, but I'm not, I'm not sure about this, so I'm going to keep quiet. Yeah, uh, that's interesting with the hidden credits. <laughs> it's interesting with the hidden credits, right? It's, it's an interesting yeah. thing, but yeah. Yeah. Because it's a, it's such a different song for Maiden. It is, it is very yeah. different and fantastic, but different. It really mm. fits on Killers. It it gives the album an even cooler vibe, and it's one of the Maiden's coolest albums, I think. Yeah, definitely. definitely yeah, the whole aesthetic and the whole energy of it, and the fact that it sounds mm. so good. It's like production-wise, mm. I have nothing to to add. Like, there's no complaints. It's no solid. Now next year, if they do indeed, you know, are able to keep doing. You know, keep uh, get out there and start touring again. Uh, one, of, I think it'd be the fortieth anniversary of uh, of the album. Killers, yes. Yeah. So it'd be, it'd be cool maybe if they threw in a, an extra, you know, like a some a deep a deep cut from Killers on the, you know, the rest of the on yeah. the legacy tour. I don't think they will, but Maiden are not Maiden are not known for deep cuts. But <laughs> no, it would be nice. Yeah, no. but that's another discussion I wanted to have your words on is uh, like uh, Bruce's ability to to project Paul's songs live. Because it's, mm -hmm. it's a topic that is kind of interesting to me. And I think that, for example, the title track, Killers, I think the band likes it. I think the crowd loves it, but they don't really do it. And I feel that maybe it's a good choice. Because when I listen to Bruce on that particular song, Killers, he doesn't really convey the, the craziness of, of Paul in it. He, like, he feels like a weak version to me. If you, for example, the yeah. Made in England version. It's not bad, but it's not right. Uh, but I want to hear what you think. I think it's down to the different vocal styles. Bruce is a bit more declamatory. I mean, the classic, I mean, some people call him operatic or things. Mm -hmm. I don't know about that. But it's more down to that kind of style. Whereas Paul is just spitting the words out more punk punkily, if you want, if you wish. Yeah. But then also Paul on this album, Killers, he has Martin Birch um, as a coach. And I think uh, mm. it, you can hear it because here you, he reaches higher notes. He sounds more like a larger-than-life singer than he does on the first album, which I actually I prefer the first album because it's just killer, but no pun intended. Mm. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, he sounds, his vocals are really cool on this album. Listen to Twilight Zone, for example. Actually, Martin mm. wasn't there for that one. It's produced by Iron Maiden. Yeah. And I think he had a day off and they just slammed it together with the technician. But listen to that song and like, uh, can't you... See me, and killers like that. Ooh, wow. No one mm. can do that as nice as he does it. Uh, Bruce brings out his kind of be quick or be dead uh, yell type yeah. yell, which is mm. fine, but it's not really as mental. I think. I think no. this like. I think when it when it comes to the, I remember noting that I thought that remember tomorrow sounded better with Bruce than with Paul, but. Mm. Yeah, I think it just sounds excellent with both on that one. It's just an excellent song. Yeah, yeah, yeah they do. But I mean, yeah. I thought I thought Bruce had a lot. Of, it felt like Paul had some kind of idea about how he wanted to sing, and he just sang it in some kind of way. But it wasn't really gelling with the song in mm -hmm. the same way. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. Or maybe just aged nicely. Also, that was without Birch, right? Uh, it was with Will Malone. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they sort of produced it themselves yeah. with, the, uh, with the engineer in the studio. So, Because for me, I've always thought that the best version, remember, tomorrow is uh, the, the version from, from Ulevi 2005 is amazing. It's killer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. I don't remember that one. I, I do remember it, but I don't remember the specifics of it. So I need to go back to that and check. Because last time that Bruce sang anything off Killers that wasn't, um, let's say, uh, Rathschild, yeah, well, that, that yeah. would have been either two thousand five, and then before then it was like ninety, it was ninety nine, right? So they haven't done yeah. like that. Killers haven't been played itself since ninety nine, correct? That's right. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it'd be interesting to see what they do with it now if they were to do it now. The 99 version mm. is pretty solid. It's not bad. I have it on a B-side. It's on, I think it's on Wicker Man or, yeah, on Wicker Man, uh, my mm, LP yeah. version of that. I have Killers and it's it's a solid version. I mean, on the 99 tour, Bruce really had, he had he was still young, you know, about our age, really. And mm. he, he really like came back with, a, with, with energy and like, I'm going to prove that this is, this is our maiden, you know. Yeah. Mm. very very big ambition and you can hear it in, in that he even nails Aces High which we talked about before it's a song that he is really hard to, to nail that live uh, he, yeah. he yeah, doesn't he do it on Live After Death he doesn't do it on, on the new album either really I think Flight 666 mm. is solid and 99 is, is even better on that one he was he sounded he sounded just like the ideal Bruce Dickinson in 1999 2000 something yeah. like that yeah yeah okay so we're drifting away here. That's what's well, fine. We are. Yeah. But I mean, In, into another life. <laughs> maybe we want to kind of uh, summarize these three songs in a sense, because we did them in a row and now with a guest as well, just kind mm-hmm. of get a grasp on, on where we are in our expo- exploration of this band. Like uh, three rather different songs, right? Very different songs. Different Very singers, different, different yeah. tri- singers on all three of them as well, which makes it an interesting run. So you have, mm. you have Blaze, you have uh, Bruce, and you have Paul. Uh, one in mm-hmm. each song, and like, uh, I mean, just for just for kicks, how would you rate these songs individually or together, like in a top top three? We rank them. It would, I think it would be uh, for me. It would probably be Alexander. No, no, another another life, Alexander, and an angel. I'd say. All right, interesting, Hendrik. Yeah, I, I'm, I'd copy that. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. would. I would flip up Alexander, but I I really appreciate your love for another life. You know. Mm-hmm. That's a that's another type of song entirely, and uh, yeah, is it going on the top fifty? No, like yeah, yeah. It, I think it is. Yeah, and I will say mm. that I want it to be there, but I'm very hesitant that I would put it in my final top fifty, that mm. because it's still like uh, yeah, it's not a huge amount of space. I mean, that's true. That's that's true. Yeah, it's going to be hard. Yeah. Mm. Luckily, I think next episode, there's not going to be anything going on that list next episode oh, yeah, because yeah. that's the apparition and the assassin. So. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, another one. Of Nothing those. bad about the assassin, unless we talk about the chorus because that's appalling. That's the chorus is, is rough. The chorus is what kind of ruins the rest of the song. There it does. Watch out. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. That was also an ill-advised decision. Ill-advised. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get to yeah. that next week. I have some comments on the lyrics as well. Oh, cool. <laughs> Mm. Yeah, great to have you on, uh, Hendrik, yes. and uh, I hope you'll be on again uh, for another episode. Yeah, thank you. I'd love to. Well, we can, we'll, we'll find songs that you know that I think will be fun for you to do. So you can, you're, you're welcome yeah. back whenever you want. Uh, three, sure. three is a magic number, I think. You 
you get like yeah. three, three perspectives. Uh, it's, it's just a cool way to dissect this band mm. that we all definitely yeah love really. Yeah. Yeah. Let's well, that's, uh, let's mm. wrap it up. Yeah, and then we're, we can you can get in touch with us at uh, maidenazpod on gmail.com. Uh, I think it's the same thing on Facebook. So yeah, we'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments or suggestions. Yeah, or if you want to join for an episode, that yes, might be arrangeable as well. Yes, we, we will continuously do this with guests, just because the more the merrier, in a sense, to a certain extent, to a certain degree. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like 50 people, maybe not. <laughs> no. Yeah, I think three was perfect. Yeah. All right. So thanks mm-hmm. for listening and up the irons. Ja, var det outro-låten? Mm. <laughs>